to the Locked On Leafs podcast, one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother on TSN's Overdrive. You can hit me up on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show as well at Locked On Leafs. If you like what you hear today, please consider subscribing to the podcast. Leave a rating and review as well. That would be much appreciated. So, just a couple of things today. Uh, we're going to be doing a top 10 ranking where I'm going to be talking about the top 10 most valuable Leafs players to the organization. And there's a few things that go into it, uh, you know, some criteria that go into my rankings. So, I'll explain that and we'll go through the top 10 players I think are most important to this organization for this upcoming season. So, I'm not talking long term, I'm talking this upcoming season. Uh, so, we'll talk about that. Uh, also, Pierre Lebrun had a piece in The Athletic. Going to get to that as well, where he asked uh, multiple, I think 15 league executives and GMs around the league to basically rank one through seven who they believe the the top Canadian teams would be if it were a Canadian division. So that's really interesting, I find. So we're going to talk about that. And uh, spoiler alert, a majority of them do say the Toronto Maple Leafs. So all you other locked-on uh, Canadian teamers, sucks to be you. Um, <coughs> speaking of, actually, uh, Sean Lavery of Locked on Flames. I'm hoping to get on the show uh, at some point this week, and we're gonna have we're we're gonna have a more deeper conversation about our two teams because it was Toronto and Calgary were the two names that popped up the most. Uh, so we'll get to that, and then once again, if we have time. We'll go over uh, some World Junior Championships news and go over some of the players that uh, could be that uh, could be represented by the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, with their selected or with their native countries. So, depending on time, I do also believe that I do have somebody locked in at some point this week to come on and have more of an overarching conversation about the World Junior Championships. Uh, just trying to finalize which day that'll be. So I may may not talk a lot about it, but just kind of an update on what's going on uh, over in the World Junior Championships, depending on how long this podcast goes. Uh, but let's get to this piece uh, from Pierre Lebrun because I thought it was really interesting, and it sparked a, a, a kind of a decent debate, too, on Overdrive today. Uh, so polled 15 league executives to rank the Toronto or to rank the the Canadian division, the proposed Canadian division, one through seven. And nine of the 15 league executives named the Toronto Maple Leafs as the top team in the Canadian division. That shouldn't surprise you. I also believe that they are the top team in the Canadian division. On paper, and, and you look at what they've been able to do to a lot of these teams over the past few seasons, you got to like it. I mean, against the East... They're definitely better than Ottawa. Montreal, I also believe they're better than Montreal. Out West is where it gets a little tricky because we don't get to see them that often, right? And I think that there's two different kind of style of games, which is going to be interesting that these two, that these uh, divisions are going to end up kind of meshing together to make one division because the West has always been more of a, a, a bulkier, uh, tougher style style of of league whereas the east has been more skill based i would say I, I maybe that's just the way it used to be now that i'm thinking about it but you know you always go through that california road swing and you always think about how tough 
and it is to go down to California and play all three of those teams just because they play such a heavy style of hockey. Not to say that that doesn't exist in in the East, like obviously Boston and Columbus do it too, but it just seems like a lot of the big boys in the West were kind of built that way. And, uh, yeah, maybe maybe it'll be interesting to see how that'll contrast with you get the Eastern Canadian teams and the Western Canadian teams now forming one division. But so we had uh, nine of the 15 executives named Toronto, four of them named Calgary, two of them said the Montreal Canadiens, which is very interesting to me. I wonder if one of them was uh, was Mark Bergevin of the Montreal Canadiens, because I, I, I don't see I don't see it. Uh, yes, they took some big leaps last season. But, uh, like, okay, Nick Suzuki, he's going to be a great player. Solid, solid young player who's going to do some good things for Montreal. I get it. Isperi Kakiniemi, what he showed in the playoffs is that he can be a top six center in the NHL. I get it. That makes sense. But they still don't have that great depth, and they don't really have that elite scoring touch. Like, even Suzuki is, is more of a, an overall playmaker than he is a, a sniper, right? Like, he's not a slasher who's going to go to the net and score. He's not going to, you know, post up uh, out in front of the net. He, he's he's just going to be Bo Dangles, you know? Like, he's... So, I, I just... I don't see the Montreal Canadiens being, to me, even a, a top three team in this division, let alone being the top team. That didn't really make sense the only way that I believe Montreal would be able to win this Canadian division is if Carey Price turned back the clocks and went back to 2010 or, or 2015, even when he had that unbelievable start before he got injured, um, where he was just the, the number one goalie in the world, hands down. That's the type of goaltending that would give Montreal a chance to be the top team in this division. But outside of that, they just don't have the firepower. They don't. Jonathan Druin has not turned out to be uh, the potential 30-40 goal scorer that I think they thought they were getting when they traded for him. They traded away Mikhail Sergachev, who turned out to be a pretty solid defenseman. Um, you know, one of their better players, yeah, they, they brought in Josh Anderson, but he's a guy, again, who had one goal last year. One goal. Yes, he scored 25 in the past or 27, whatever it was. So they're hoping that they can tap back into that. But still, I, I, I just don't see where they're going to get this offense from. They'll probably get 25 to 30 out of Brennan Gallagher. Maybe they end up getting somewhere close to 25 out of Nick Suzuki. But down the middle, uh, is Kakaniemi going to put up big points? I don't know. Is... Uh, you know, are they expecting a big jump from Joel Armia? I wouldn't. Who else do they have on that in on that team? Um, Paul Byron. You can't expect for Paul Byron to to get you another twenty goals again. Philip Deneau, probably not. So. The one thing that I do like is, now that I, I just remembered this, actually, is that they did sign Tyler Toffoli, who had a good resurgence when he went to Vancouver. Maybe he's a guy who could add some scoring punch to this to this team. But again, I just I, when I compare them to the Toronto Maple Leafs, I don't see them being better than Toronto at all. Like, they got a better goalie. That's about it. 
And you think about a guy like Shea Weber, I mean, Father Time could catch up to him this year and he could fall off a cliff. And if Shea Weber isn't your hog out there, is Jeff Petrie somebody who you can rely on to play 25 minutes a night and be a, a, a true number one defenseman? I don't know. So it was weird to me to see two people say Montreal. Calgary does make a little bit of sense. I think they had some really nice additions. And like I said, um, I'm thinking sometime this week, uh, Sean Lavery from Locked on Flames is uh, I'm going to try and get him on. And we're going to dive a little deeper into both of our teams and have both of us make the case for each other uh, about who we believe is the top team in this Canadian division. But one team that wasn't said by the executives but was brought up in the conversation in overdrive was the Winnipeg Jets by Jamie Noodles McLennan. Look, Jamie's my boy, all right? Noodles is a friend of mine. I would consider us friends. And he's been on the show, so friend of the show. But I don't agree with him when he says that Winnipeg is basically... Uh, the same as Toronto. He just sees them as a West Coast Toronto. They've got some good skill up front. They're pretty top heavy when it comes to skill up front. They got a weak D, and he says they got a better goalie. So, yes, I believe that they may be a deeper team, but when it comes to elite firepower, like I still put Matthews and Marner way ahead of Shifling and, and Line. Or Shifley and Kyle Connor. You won't even go three for three. I would take Matthews, Marner, and Nylander over Shifley, Connor, and Line. There's just so much inconsistency with Line's game, too. I but Austin Matthews, I think, is going to be a a superstar. He already is a superstar, but I think this is again a future Hart Trophy winner. And we didn't even talk about John Tavares who is light years, light years better than Paul Stastny, the second-line center in Winnipeg. I think Toronto's made some really good additions to their blue line. TJ Brody, Zach Bogosian, Miko Lettening coming over from Europe. You're a year longer for uh, a few other guys. So, I think... I think Toronto is the number one team. And I think I would put Calgary as number two. I don't know if I put Winnipeg at number three even. They're skilled, but they get thin. And you got to hope that Connor Hellebuck has just as good a season as he did a year ago. And if there's anything we know about goalies, it's that their voodoo and consistency just doesn't exist. Like, basically, at all. So, I'm thinking uh, I'm thinking Toronto, for me, is definitely going to be the number one team. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, speaking of Toronto, I went through and I ranked the top 10 Maple Leafs going into next season. Most valuable Maple Leafs. So, that means performance on ice. And that means locker room. And that also means contract of with those three being the criteria I've ranked the top 10 
most important and most valuable Leafs players to the organization next season or this upcoming season. So we'll get to all that next. But before we do, I want to tell you guys all about Built Go. It's the Built Bar's newest product. Built Go makes you the best you at whatever you do. Break through your wall, whether it's mental or a physical wall. Break through with Go every day. It's easy to take in one and a half ounce packages. Put it in your briefcase for the most focused presentation ever. Your golf bag to power you through the back nine. Or put it in your pocket to get you through the day. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's five-hour energy without the same crash feeling. Plus, it's natural, so it's better for the body. It's like drinking a monster drink with a third of the caffeine and better results. It's got three delicious flavors. You can get either peanut butter honey, chocolate coconut, or chocolate mint. How's the Built Go work so well? Well, let me tell you. The Built Go combined energy gel with collagen protein and the collagen protein is fast absorbing so it gets into the system fast plus it's easy on the stomach collagen promotes joint soft tissue hair and skin health this stuff literally makes you look better visit bilkgo.com and use the promo code locked and you get 20% off your next order use promo code locked for 20% off bilkgo.com let's go all right, welcome back to the Locked On Lease podcast. Mike DiStefano still with you. Check me out on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Uh, so we're rolling through top 10 most important and most valuable Leafs players for this upcoming season. This uh, This is going to be an interesting list because, like I said, there's a few criteria, a few criteria here which I've put together to make my list. That is on-ice performance. That is off-ice, so locker room. And also uh, contract. So what's your contract like? Because a high contract can be very detrimental to an organization. So based on that, you might not be surprised to hear where a couple of players end up on this list. So we'll start at the top, talk about the guy who I think is most important to this team. Just kidding. We're going to start actually at number 10. So the 10th most valuable player to this Leafs team next season is going to be Jumbo Joe Thornton. I think this is going to be a pretty good season out of Joe Thornton, to be quite honest with you. I'm excited to see what he can do here in his first season in Toronto. And at making a veteran salary, that is just amazing for Toronto. To have a third or fourth line player, a guy you can stick in your bottom six, who's going to bring a lot of, of toughness, some grit, some veteran leadership, both on and off the ice. This is definitely somebody who I think is going to be extremely important. He doesn't have the pedigree as a Maple Leaf, but he's got a pedigree as an NHL legend, which is why he makes this list. I know he hasn't even skated a single shift yet, but at that price, and he may not even be a top six guy, he's not going to be a massive offensive contributor, which is why he's also a little bit lower on this list than he would be if this was six or seven years ago, obviously. But he definitely makes this list uh, at number 10. All right, moving on to number nine, and this one might surprise you who I got at number nine. John Tavares. Yep, Captain Johnny T. I hate putting him this low on this list, but $11 million dollars 
it's just become too much of a burden for this team. It really has. And and I hate saying because he is quite literally the, 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 the captain of this team. And he's a good player. He's still a great player. Don't get me wrong. But I feel like the production that he's going to be able to give from here on out, you could probably get from somebody else at a cheaper rate. And because of that, he made his way a little bit lower on my list. And (laughs) you're not going to be surprised who comes up next on this list based on that criteria. That's Mitch Marner. A little bit of a different scenario. Uh, I think Marner, just the fact that when I, I I take a look at which of these big guys I can see the Leafs wanting to trade, Marner is the top guy on the list. I don't know if he's the top guy around the league of guys who uh, are considered commodities around the league that other teams want to trade for just because, again, 23 years old, but he's making $11 million over the next five years, and that walks him right to free agency. And $11 million for a guy who really hasn't proven... Uh, well, I can't say he hasn't proven anything. He's, he's averaged 93 points the last couple of seasons, but it's just a lot for a winger. Like, Patrick Kane doesn't even make that much money, and I would consider him to be, for the longest time, the best winger in hockey. Next to... Alex Ovechkin, I guess. (laughs) You know, Panarin just makes a little bit over that. And Panarin is a much more established player than Mitch Marner. He was an MVP candidate for Pete's sake this year. So, again, it's not that I think, like, if this was just flat out, who do I think is, is most important on the ice? Who do I think are the most talented players? Yeah, Marner and Tavares would be higher up on this list for sure. But, what their contract is doing to this organization, forcing them to squeeze players, not allowing them to go out and make other signings, not allowing them to uh, you know, commit to, to other players like Zach Hyman right now. Uh, potentially, it could be a big factor when they got to try and re-sign Freddie Anderson or Morgan Riley or Travis Dermott, who got squeezed for a contract this past summer. Um You know, so having that be such a high number for both Tavares and Marner is the reason why they're so high on this list. Don't get me wrong. I don't want either of them gone. I want them both to be Toronto Maple Leafs. I think they're both instrumental and and, and great pieces of this team to be successful. But in this list, I just have them a little lower because their cap hits. And that's really the only two players whose cap hit, I believe, um, I've crapped on enough. The rest of these guys, it's not really cap-related. It's it's on and off the ice product uh, the rest of the way. And coming in at number seven is TJ Brody. I think Brody is going to be a tremendous addition to the Maple Leafs lineup and technically we don't know where he's going to go yet is he going to be on a shutdown pair with Jake Muzzin or is he going to be uh, on the the first pair defenseman with Morgan Riley we don't know yet I I would probably say put him with Morgan Riley because we already know that Muzzin can play uh, a well enough role with Justin Hull 
or potentially Zach Bogosian. But wherever he goes, I think his flexibility as a left shot who's comfortable playing the right side also helps. And he's helped a guy like, um, in the past, uh, Mark Giordano. I don't know why I couldn't remember his name. But he's helped Mark Giordano win a Norris Trophy. Maybe he can do the same. And I think he's just a solid player. Like, he really is just a solid player and somebody who that, that the Leafs will really appreciate and uh, will give him a better chance to win and certainly beefs up that offense or beefs up that back end for Toronto. And it's not a bad cap hit either. Like, f- what's he made? Uh, Five million bucks for the next four years. That's not terrible. It's not terrible. Uh, all right. Next up, number six. Willie Nylander coming in at number six, uh, 24 years old, making a shade under $7 million. I'm not a Nylander hater. I think this is a great contract. I think this is basically what I would like to pay for a 30-goal scorer is $7 million. He's paid, very at, he's paid for um, what he is, which is something that I don't know if I could say about Marner and Tavares at this point yet. Maybe more so... You know, I, I think maybe Marner makes his money a little bit more in Tavares, but then you could say, oh, but he's their captain. He makes his money as well. But anyways, Nylander, a guy go out there, and it looks like he's going to be a perennial 30 to 35 goal scorer. If he can figure it out on the defensive side of the of the ice, I think that this is going to be a monster of a, a, a money of a contract. It's usually monsters used in a negative tone when you talk about a monster on a team, uh, I think that this is going to be a money contract, uh, and we'll be looking at it saying, yeah, I can't believe that Nylander, two years from now, can't believe that Nylander costs under $7 million, and he's a guy who scores you 30, 35 goals every single year. Uh, so that's who comes in at number six. Uh, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll do five through one, and... You might be surprised who shows up here in the top five. Probably not going to be surprised by number one. But number three and four, you might be a little surprised about. But we'll get to that next. Welcome back to the Lockdown Leafs podcast. Mike DiStefano still with you here as we work through our top ten most important and valuable Leafs players to the organization for this upcoming season. So uh, just to go over the uh, 6 through 10, we had William Nylander, TJ Brody, Mitch Marner, John Tavares, and Jumbo Joe Thornton rounding out in the 10th spot on our top 10 list. And let's go to number 5, and that's Freddie Anderson. You can't not have your goalie and your most important and valuable players. Especially since, like, Freddie's been good. Like, you got a bad rep because of how poorly he's played in the playoffs throughout his career. But he played certainly played well enough in the playoffs last year to win a round. They should have won that Columbus series if Mitch Marner would have played uh, half-decent in the playoffs. You know, not just Marner. I don't want to single him out specifically, but, like, Marner, Tavares, Nylander. Like, I think only Matthews even only had a couple of goals. Like, it's just more offense in general would have gone a long way to how we feel about Freddie Anderson right now heading into next season. Because now we just look at him and he's the guy who fails to win game seven. He's a guy who doesn't get out of the first round. 
He is somebody who just can't win the big games. That's what we say about Freddie Anderson on a daily basis in Toronto Talk Radio. Yes, he wins a lot of games in the regular season. Yes, he hasn't done it yet in the playoffs. But at $5 million, I think Freddie Anderson, over the last few seasons, has provided more than good enough goaltending to win playoff games for this team. They just haven't been able to do it. For whatever reason, they choke and they fold in front of him, whether it's on the defensive end or offensively, they can't get anything going, and they end up ousted in the first round. But Anderson is certainly a goalie that can get this team wins. I firmly believe it. And I think the least believe it too, which is why they've decided to keep him. There was a lot of speculation about whether or not he'd be gone next off or be gone over the course of this offseason. I think they looked around and said, you know what? We can't really get anyone else for under $5 million. That's as good as Freddie Anderson's going to be. So let's roll with him. Let's give him another year. If it doesn't work out, all right, he's a free agent and they go big fish hunting next season. Maybe try and trade for uh, another goaltender or they sign someone free agency, whatever happens. But for now, I think Freddie is definitely a very valuable part of this team. And if he goes down, it's over. The Leafs don't stand a chance. Like, I don't, Jack Campbell, I think, is a quality backup, but I don't think he's the number one. I can't see him leading this team. Like, Jack Campbell and Aaron Dell doesn't scream playoff contenders to me. (laughs) You know what I mean? So, he's important. And in terms of contracts, you know, it's not an albatross. It's not like he's, he's, uh, you know, Devin Dubnik who was making $6 and couldn't save a beach ball. You could say the same about Martin Jones, who was absolutely awful last season. There's a lot of players and a lot of goaltenders out there who make more money than Anderson and are nowhere near as adequate as Freddie. So that's why he's got to be in the top five. Number four, Jake Muzzin. Jake Muzzin has quickly become one of the most important pieces to this Maple Leafs team. You talk about what he does on the ice. He brings that grit. He brings a winning attitude. He's got cup experience, playoff experience, and he even showed a little bit of flair in the offensive game last year. Right? I think a guy like Jake Muzzin makes defenders better. You look at how that team played with and without Muzzin, night and day. Especially his D partner, Justin Hall. <laughs> he sheltered, he, he allowed the Leafs to shelter Hall in a shutdown, quotes, shutdown role all season long. And the minute that Hall had to do it on his own where he had to become the guy to shut teams down without having his safety blanket in uh, in Muzzin with him, it, it just went down. It went south for Justin Hall. And that just goes to show how good Jake Muzzin is. Like, he makes other people better and toughness man I think toughness is going to be huge this offseason or this upcoming season and boy does he bring it 
He is a mean son of a bitch sometimes. And he eats minutes. And eats pucks. Two things which the Leafs back end desperately, desperately needs. Imagine he wasn't there. Oof. Oof. Don't 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 want to, because that's that's scary. Uh number three. This might surprise you, but Zach Hyman. Yeah, that's right. I think Zach Hyman is a top three important and valuable member to this team, which means Dubis, you gotta get on the horn and you gotta lock this guy up long term. I don't know what it's gonna cost. But he's, he's, he's important. The problem, the, the biggest reason why he's so high on this list, though, is because he only makes $2.5 million. And I understand he's going to get a, a substantial raise from that, which maybe after that he wouldn't be as high because he's making more money. And when it comes to you know production per dollar, I think the production that he's doing with on a $2.5 million salary like I think this is what he is. I don't think he's going to, you know, in in his late twenties, blossom into a, an eighty point guy. I don't see that happening. I think this is what he'll, he'll do for you. He's a guy who can maybe score you twenty, twenty or so goals, maybe twenty twenty five goals. Uh, you know, on a good year, fifty ish points, uh, kill penalties, and just play in your top six and be relentless on the puck. Be a puck hound. Um, you know, go out there, lay the body when he can, and implement that toughness that the Leafs are looking for. And for two and a half million bucks, so important. And he's he's like a heart and soul player on this team. I know that Mike Babcock really, really liked Zach Hyman. And it was because he he played hard. Really, really hard. He played for his team, played for his coach, played with pride. And he's a guy who loves, loves, loves playing in Toronto. He's really important to this team. Might not have a letter, might not put up the flashy numbers. But to me, I think that when he's on the ice, compared to when he's off the ice, the this Leafs team is in a much better position with him dressed that night. Number two, Morgan Riley shouldn't be a surprise. Their number one defenseman can play in all situations. Logs twenty five minutes a game. Wears a letter. He's, he's he's incredible both on and off the ice. Had a little bit of a down year, I think when you when you think about it, considering that the year before he you know damn near Norris caliber, but he was hurt for a good majority of it. So a healthy Morgan Riley next season with a, a solid defensive partner like TJ Brody, I am excited to see what he can do. And again, you look at the contract, just $5 million. $5 million for a number one defenseman. It is such a good contract right now for the Maple Leafs, and I know it, it, it comes up in a couple of years and he's going to have to get paid. I understand that. But right now, the production that he gives this team the role that he plays on this team for just five million dollars when you think about you know the the what other guys are making around the league. He's important, man. Super, super important. And then obviously number one on my list is gonna be Austin Matthews. Yep. 
He has the highest cap hit on the team. How could I possibly have him at the top? And it's because he's the most important player for the Leafs. When Austin Matthews is on, this team can win on any any given night. When he's off, they're losing to Ottawa. They're losing to L.A. They're going on to California and getting swept like we saw this past season. When he's on, though, when he's healthy and playing a high level of hockey... Like we've seen in stretches, he the consistency does need to 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 get there, and and I get it. He's still young, like twenty two years old, twenty three years. Old. He's still so young. He's got some maturing to do in his game for sure, which is something that both Sheldon Keefe and Kyle Dubas have talked about, and something that he's talked about where consistency is something that not just him but the whole team really need to work on. But him, if he starts playing more consistent then the team will start playing more consistent. I think that he can take them, or this team will go as far as Austin Matthews can take them because he is a guy who with one shot, one shot can change the course of a game. Like he is somebody who I could see breaking records in terms of shooting percentage. He has a lethal, lethal wrist shot. He can place the puck wherever he wants when he's on, he's going to win a Hart Trophy one day. I think, this is the, the bold prediction here, I think he's going to win the Maurice Richard Trophy in 2021. I do. I think he's going to win it. He is just so good. He can score at will from so many different ways. He can do it. On a two-on-one, on the uh, off the rush, on the power play, a wrist shot from the point, off the wall. Wouldn't be surprised if he could do the Michigan. Haven't seen it yet, but I wouldn't be surprised if he scores doing the Michigan. He's so talented; it doesn't even matter what he's making because he truly is one of the best players in this league already. And he plays now, specifically now, or earlier in the year, I wasn't saying this, but you know, a light bulb went off in Austin Matthews this season where he really started to play a more consistent two-way game. He started to play a lot more fearless in the defensive end, and that, I believe, is going to help him in all areas of his game. Like, he gets into a mode where he's just, give me that damn puck mode. Where he just goes in, attacks you, rips the puck from your stick, goes down the other way, and gets a scoring chance off. Sometimes ends up in the back of the net. So Austin Matthews, by far and away, the most important Maple Leaf on this team, the most important player in this organization, 100%. 
Uh, all right, that's going to do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Lockdown Leafs podcast on all podcasts and platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show at Lockdown Leafs. If you want some more hockey talk, be sure to check out the Lockdown NHL podcast where myself and four other Lockdown hosts discuss the latest around the NHL. I'll be back with another episode later this week. I think I'm going to be getting on uh, Mark Masters of TSN. I think I'm going to get him on to just chat a little bit about the Maple Leafs, get his thoughts on the offseason, and also get his thoughts on what's going on in the World Junior Championships uh, because he's been reporting on uh, what's been going down in in Edmonton for uh, the past few weeks. So we'll get his thoughts on all of that. I believe we'll be doing it, if not Thursday, then Friday it'll be coming out. But keep your eyes peeled for it. Again, hit us up on Twitter at Lockdown Leafs or myself at Mickey underscore Canuck. I'll be posting when he will be on the show. Uh, and we'll also obviously post the show, as we always do, on Twitter uh, once it hits online. That's going to do it for us here today on the show, though. Until next time, keep it locked right here on Locked on Leafs.